Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. It is time for Level Up. I'm Daniel. I'm here with Katie. As always, thank you for listening. And if you're not already following us or whatever, just do it so that we don't have to keep telling you to do it. Well, we will keep telling you because we're going to tell other people to do it too. Well, you can tell other people to do it. How about you tell other people? Then we don't have to tell people. Yeah. That's true. MLM. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're actually a big podcast pyramid scheme. It, we get nothing. You get nothing. We just... Well, you get some value, hopefully. Some I hope so. I hope so. Anyway, today we are talking about red flags. You're about to talk right as I'm talking. What is your problem? No, I was, you're taking this. <laughs> you're just like, run with it. You're like, did you notice yourself? Like, I can't see myself. <laughs> I swallowed my words. I I was about to start a sentence and you just kind of like, you gave me the hook. You're about to like mouth the word and then I'm like, are you going to talk about it? No, no, go for it. Hit it. Hit it hard. What, what What are we talking about there? Today we are talking about red flags that you need to identify when you're working with a buyer client or when you're about to work with a buyer. And now in a market where it actually in a lot of places could be construed as a buyer's market amazingly enough, in some spots, you might be working with a lot and it might feel great because it's awesome to have clients and it's awesome to know that you're in a market where they can actually buy things. However, that probably makes it even more important that you don't take uh, your blinders and put them on and lose sight of all the things that you should be watching for because not every buyer is a model client for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a lot of them are just starting to poke around the MLS and seeing what's out there. You're likely getting, you know, the non-serious ones. You can usually identify them because they don't have all of their preparations done. Um, they might not seem as eager. And that's that's totally fine. Like, I think it's important to identify that there are people, there's many people out there that really aren't ready to buy in the next few months. But they do want to keep an eye on what's going on in the market. And part of our job is to to keep them informed of that. So while you you still have to make sure that the people you're working with are, I guess, legit, <laughs> you also want to make sure that you're keeping in touch with those people because they hopefully will eventually become clients. Yeah. So even if there's a red flag, it doesn't mean it's a kick them, kick them, kick them to the kick, curb. Kick them to the curb, man. Yeah. So <laughs> they might, that was, that was awesome there. I don't know what that was. I, don't know I wish we were on either. video. I, I meant for that to sound a lot better. Kick them to the curb, man. <laughs> yeah. Kick them to the curb, All man. Right. All right. So now that we've efficiently made fun of one another one time, we're All even. Right. That's it. Everybody who might purchase in the future is a good contact to have. Mm-hmm. Those who represent themselves as people who want to buy with you now obviously are great from the beginning of that conversation. Anyway, let's get right to some of the red flags, some of the things that (laughs) we're actually looking for here for people that uh, might save you some time. Give me the most obvious. Hit me with it. Go. 
All right. So the, the most obvious and one that if you've been burned, you know what it's like um, when a buyer does not want to sign a buyer representation agreement. Yes. So that is your contract with them that locks you in as the representation. And if you can't see the red flag there without us explaining it, you got to do some serious thinking about the way you run your business. And yeah, I, or I, the I, way you present the buyer representation agreement as well. Well, well, yeah, that's the method of dealing with it. But right now, if people don't see that as a problem, mm-hmm. when somebody says, I don't really want to sign one, we're here to explain to you in plain English why that is something you need to be aware of. Yes. And I know that there's lots of agents. I'm one of them. I think you've been like this also where you can go down the road with people and develop a relationship and have a trust in them to the point of not even bringing it up until the time you make an offer. It is a dangerous road to be on. Mm -hmm. Even with people you trust, I read story after story of people who think that they've got a client and only find out that they went in to an open house or something and did a deal with the listing agent or somebody called whatever it is and they got a deal done and because you have nothing in writing you have no recourse or or way to get compensated for the time you've invested in them Mm -hmm. and all it is is hopefully a harsh lesson that you won't do it again next time yeah yeah and i think the best way that i've found to approach it is when a buyer or you first make contact have a sit have a sit down with them sit down with them and have a sit down have a sit down or meet with them or if we're in covid maybe do a zoom thing but you you want to formalize the relationship and the best way to do that is to have like an initial meeting don't immediately go out and start showing them properties because you want to review a lot of things up front which we'll touch on as well Um, But one of those things is the buyer representation agreement. So it's important to present that. It's not just something that you throw at them, you know, at a showing one day or or even when you are doing an offer. Like that's kind of – it's hard because – at that point, your clients are ready to go and you don't want to feel like you're pressuring them into working with you either. And I've heard lots of stories from buyers saying, I didn't even know I signed one. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's the main point there is yeah. don't be the person who just makes it part of that snap offer where it's just another piece of paper mm-hmm. and you've locked them into three months or six months with you without them knowing. Or without being sure. forthcoming about it. Yeah. Any yeah. piece of paper, anything you are doing with any client it is your duty to them to explain to them what you're doing and mm-hmm. and make sure they understand. Because in a court of law, if it's clear that they didn't understand what they were signing, you mm-hmm. are just as liable as they could be. Right. And do you really want, yeah, even, if, even if that was the case, do you really want to be chasing somebody like for your own reputation's I sake? Know. It's so it's, gross. It Don't is. be gross. Or douchey. Don't be gross or douchey. Don't be grushy. Grushy. So. Yeah. Anyway, so a buyer representation agreement is key. It might come after, you know, I've gone out with people for one day of showings because it's also about developing a relationship. Like think about the free trials you take from all sorts of third-party services. Yeah, like if the relationship doesn't work for them, they might have a legit reason for not wanting to sign a BRA, but that also probably means they won't be working with you at all anymore. Mm -hmm. If they want to keep seeing places with you, then you need to formalize the agreement. And another way that I explain it to clients too is it's not for my benefit only. Obviously, it's for my benefit that I'm under contract with somebody, but it's also protecting their interests in that they're now a client of yours. You now have a duty to them to represent their best interests. 
and this formalizes your relationship to each other. Yeah, this like I, yeah, it solidifies like a serious relationship. Like you are then you're working. going steady. Yeah, but like you're working, you're working for them, and what that means is that you're like they're getting like a very dedicated, like well communicated service. I thought you were going to say well-oiled well machine. Well-oiled machine, but yeah. Uh, I, I usually think, oil myself before yeah. I take people on but showings. But just, I think, I think, yeah, it, I think as Daniel said, it's important to recognize what the benefits are and be able to explain those easily and naturally to your clients. Know the buyer-up agreement like the back of your hand. Like know what each paragraph says and, and how to explain it in plain English. <laughs> I love that line. Sorry, I, I don't even know the back of my hand. Okay, you're like every every saying I say in this podcast. You're no, that's like, a, we'll go back. I think that's the first one. No, 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 not this podcast. I'm talking about past podcasts. What was no, the other one? You're that big I on said cliches. Before? It's kind of your thing, I guess. So anyway, I'll learn the back of my hand so that I can know my back of my hand like I know a BRA. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's. Another douchey thing don't do, and this isn't a red flag, but this is just something that I don't like that buyer agents do. Don't tell them your services don't cost anything. Mm, Just because it's not them cutting you a check. You're smart enough and hopefully they're smart enough to understand you've got something to gain financially from this relationship. You're not taking somebody out out of the goodness of your heart. You're obviously getting paid. And just because it's the listing side that's paying you, that is your buyer's money they're using to pay you. Mm-hmm. So they are paying you. So I, I just don't like it when that's one of the, the reasons or, or things people say when they're entering a buyer-client relationship to get that business. That's not the reason they're going to sign with you because you say you're free or you don't cost anything. If anything, that just graze what your relationship is and makes you sound like a douche again, times two. So just wanted to throw that in there before we got off BRAs. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then another, another topic. So there's, there's a few, I mean, one thing we were talking about when you first get to know them and a lot of these red flags are going to happen in the early stages of the relationship. There are red flags that we can talk about that happen when you're down the road with someone, which Mm -hmm. kind of gets more into the when you know it's time to fire your client. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're staying with the beginning of the relationship, it's your job to really understand what your potential or just signed client, their situation is, what their objectives are, what their story is. And because you're there to represent their best interest, if they make it difficult for you to understand what that is, Mm. that's a red flag. Yeah. If they're not going to tell you why they're looking to buy or what their personal situation is, you don't need to be digging into privacy areas that you have no business digging into. Mm -hmm. But if you are able to make it clear, here's the information at a minimum that I need from you to make my job most effective in finding you what you need... If they're not willing to give you that information for whatever reason, that's something you need to question and be a little concerned about. It doesn't mean get rid of them right away. No. But it leaves you in a position where you should be cautious with the relationship. Like if we're talking like COVID colors, yeah. you've gone from green to orange at yeah. that point. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we've all had situations where you've dealt with 
a motivated buyer that's a good person that like you've had that good relationship with them and how that progresses like it starts maybe a little uncomfortable on both ends because you don't really know each other but after a few times of going out you get to know each other better and that relationship starts to form you can joke around with them like you you just get to know them Mm -hmm. and that trust starts building but there's been instances where I've worked with people and I've never really gotten to that point and so it's just yeah having that radar to make sure that you're not going down a road that's not gonna like but like if you take that and then combine it with the fact that they're not signing a bra and they're not telling you what they're pre-approved for like it's just like all of these things kind of add up to Mm -hmm. become like i'm wasting my time with this person it's a lot like if you remember your fin track training when you're (laughs) gauging the risk Okay, Katie's going to go to sleep. (laughs) But if you're gauging the risk of somebody, it's not typically because of one One thing thing. they're considered high risk. But Mm -hmm. when you accumulate the different factors and it starts to tell you a picture, tell you a picture. (laughs) There, you can make fun of me on that one. Uh, What's this picture telling me? (laughs) Pictures worth a thousand work. Anyway, um, things like not answering your questions in isolation might just raise an eyebrow. Yeah. But if it's, if it's a lot of different questions, to put it like to, to give an example, like let's say you can't figure out or you're not able to know their motivation for selling or you don't buying. know, sorry, buying. I mean, the same goes for sellers yeah. too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but we're talking about buyers. If it comes out down the road when it comes time to make an offer that, oh, you know what, this is part of a, I'm getting a divorce or... Mm. Or I've got, a, even more important, maybe I've got a partner who needs to be a part of this decision. Yeah. Right. And now that I've found the place with you, let's bring him or her into the equation. Right. You need to know things like that. It doesn't mean deals will fall apart, but all these like curveballs that you could get thrown, mm. you do your job to uncover everything ahead of time so that when it comes time to make an offer, again, it's in your client's best interest that you know the situation to be able to put their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a position to put their best foot forward, yeah. it's less likely you're going to get a deal done, which whether or not their intention is to waste your time, it will waste your time if you can't get a deal done. Yeah, no, exactly. And then I think one of the other bigger red flags is when a buyer is not realistic on what he what he or she can get with their budget. Yeah, big and, one. And that comes up a lot. I think people come in thinking maybe they're in an area that's getting a lot of bidding wars and they think they can get a detached home for seven ninety nine. when in reality it's going in multiple offers for 900000 mm-hmm. Um, This is where your... Um, expertise comes into play. This is where you've got to get honest with your clients. You can't just give them sunshine and rainbows and make them feel like you can do the impossible because you can't. That's why it's impossible. I know. So even though we do make the impossible possible. Yeah. So I mean, I've I've just recently started working with a client who, you know, he just kind of seen what's out there, but like he has a very strict budget, but he's open to different areas. But even like he'll still send me options and they're not going to go for within his price range. And so I have to take it upon myself to like let him know that listen like I think the properties you're looking at are not in your budget. You're not going to be able to find something. Like think of ways to say that a little nicer, but you have to have those hard, difficult, challenging conversations with your client or they're just going to keep going thinking that one day they'll find something and then a year goes by and they're like, wow, I haven't gotten anywhere. I'm going to go find somebody else who's going to give me the real hard truth. 
but I will actually buy something. Well, there's two things here for me too. One is often it takes showing them and making them go through the disappointment Mm. to teach them or or even just telling them like well, they tell, really, definitely yeah, tell them like, if they'll you know, listen yeah. to you great but if they won't listen to you and you want to throw your hands up and say fine we'll right, go in at your number it. Yeah, no, for sometimes sure. it takes just yeah. being disappointed and seeing reality for sure to teach them yeah. and hopefully and sometimes even when that happens you'll get the client who says okay well that was a one-off i guess that idiot buyer's out of the way now we can get the real price right you need to be able to gauge that the other thing is when you've got a client who's moving in the way that most of the market trends are moving, mm-hmm. and that, that's a lot of these situations, more than half my clients have expectations. And a lot of people who are buying and selling want better yeah, than yeah. what the market would dictate. Like it's exactly. our job as professionals to outdo the market, I guess, in some respect. Mm-hmm. But when you get caught in the trend, so you've got someone who's looking in the hot area mm-hmm. for the hot property and is kind of at the same budget as what sort of a week ago the budget was, you can get caught up with somebody who's always chasing their tail yeah, and slowly sort of increasing their budget or pushing themselves closer to where their means actually is because they're not able to take the hard truth in real time. They're always reactive. Yeah, and I mean, you can only do so much at the end of the day, but as long as you're having those conversations, yeah, and, and, it's and, good. Uh, like I like looking ahead in that way though and saying, you know what? Like I get it. You might not want to go to that number mm-hmm. or you might not want to compromise this feature or whatever it is. Yeah. You need to be able to say that's fine, but understand that this is might not get easier, it might get harder the For longer sure. that you don't look at reality. Yeah, draw on past experiences working with other clients. If you haven't had the opportunity to work with clients like this, ask colleagues that can give you their stories so that you can pull from those experiences. Because um, when people recognize that they're not the only ones dealing with it, I think it goes a long way and they mm-hmm. kind of come to terms with what their reality is a lot quicker. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you another red flag. Give it to me. Red flag. Red coming flag coming. You. Coming in hot. <laughs> There can be times where your showings and your client relationship actually turns into almost like the real estate equivalent of being in the friend zone, Hmm. where you've got somebody who it starts to feel like they just, because maybe, like for us, we've got kids, we're busy, but there's people who are looking for a time out. Like people yeah. who just like looking at places and it's more like window shopping than mm. it is serious buying. Yeah. And going out once or twice a week and seeing three or four places is less about I'm ready to make an offer and more about, hey, are we going out Wednesday again to look at places? Yeah, because it's fun to work at real estate. Yeah, and it is fun. And honestly, early yeah, on in my career, gotta... I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. But you need to be able to isolate what you're doing. Well, and I think there's also, we've run into these situations where your clients will send you like 10 properties to see on a Saturday afternoon. And that is not in their best interest because it's going to confuse the heck out of them. Probably half of the properties they're sending to you don't even fit within their their, Mm -hmm. their requirements. And they're just kind of seeing it to see it. So it's okay for you to say, listen... 10 properties in one day is way too much. These are the ones that I think are best suited for you. So why don't we start with these ones and see how you like them? Because you can't just you can't just go 
with what your clients are saying all the time. It's, it's, it's okay for you to put a stop to certain things. Yeah. And also you need to be able to be nimble with what you're showing them. They're going to come to you with their ideal all the time. Mm. This is the ultimate place I want. And this is the price I want to pay. Right. And often that's not going to be something that matches. Like if you get the nirvana of that where somebody brings you a place, they've got unlimited budget and they say, let's just get it for whatever it needs. That's Mm -hmm. great. But it's on you to be able to show your clients alternatives and options that make sense for them based on what you're putting together. Yeah. And that's what helps you navigate them through. And that's what makes you a true professional to people is actually not just telling them that what they think might not be reality, but actually showing them what reality could give them. That's a good option. Another one is when buyers get so desperate that they're willing to compromise on all of their requirements in order to buy something. And I've dealt with this before many times where my clients are just so frustrated and I feel for them, but they're like, let's buy this one that has no, like, you know, I'm like, and, and it's on you to be like, okay, let's, let's just, Reading it in a little bit, <laughs> you're fine. We can't, like, this does not match your requirements. You have to point that out to them. Just because they want to make an offer doesn't mean you just have to do it. Like, think about what they're actually looking for and make sure it makes sense for them. Because there's the, the worst thing you could do is have them regret their decision, you know, a month after moving into the house. They're mm-hmm. like, you're like, oh, crap. And I that, should have told them. That, and that goes for the wrong property or the wrong offer. Yeah. You know, there's people who get desperate and say, fine, let's just pull out all the conditions. Yeah. Or let's figure out, you know, if there's problems later with inspection, I'll deal with it. Or if my financing screws up, we need to get this place. We know we can't be competitive if we don't pull out all the things or do the closing date we don't want. That's not, you don't want someone to be regretting the place or the deal or anything mm-hmm. like this is supposed to be a fun procedure and I know and you know that the longer you go on with a client and the more places you might miss out on the more stressful and frustrating and desperate it can get for a client yeah you need to keep them centered and even if it's your 10th offer on a place it needs to have the same attitude as the first yeah and even if it's okay to like suggest having a break like take a week or two off from seeing places i know clients have felt that way before where you know especially when you're in a really bad seller's market and you just can't seem to get a break like places are coming out and within a day they're selling or within hours they're going and like it's exhausting So, you know, being able to have that relationship with your clients where you can read their emotions, be able to know where they're at at any given time and make suggestions based on what, like, that's what you're there for. It's not just to be told what to do and when to make an offer. This is very much, I don't know if it's sounding like to you, I think everyone who's listening is probably realizing this sounds a lot like a relationship, like a real relationship. Like we're talking about going steady. We're talking about making sure you know what each other wants out of the relationship and being open with communication for sure. and if you want it to be like you want it to continue after the transaction's done as right. well right so like you know you got to keep the keep it going you got to keep that flame keep the flame unless you know like you said sometimes maybe you need a break let's just take yeah, a break it's exactly. like you know like jesse and slater let's take a week off i was just watching <laughs> saved by the bell earlier today that's nice they got back together though papa bear papa bear <laughs> Uh, so I mean so, I think those are the main ones that we wanted to cover today. Of course there's always uh well send us yeah, send us your thoughts on what the biggest 
red flags are for you. Mm -hmm. I think with every transaction and every buyer you work with, none of them go, well, I shouldn't say that. Rarely does it go one and done, in and out. Everybody's happy and Mm high-fiving. There's always something. Not everything's a function of something you can see or control. But the more you do and the more experiences you have, the more you can start to see the patterns of those that are going to be tougher. Yeah. Um, And your time is valuable. So the point here is to allocate your time to the people who are ready and serious and willing to work with you the way they should be. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't ready, like we said at the beginning, don't get rid of them. But... Don't spin your wheels. Like, yeah. don't spend your days thinking of them. Like, move on. Set them up in an automated search and move on to the people that are more serious. That's all I got to say. I like it. <laughs> right on. So with that, we're going we're gonna to cut this one. Not really short. It's been kind of a standard length episode. I was going to say short. <laughs> I just looked at the time. Shorter. Yeah. And uh, we'll just be back l- next week. Look for red flags. Look for them. And run the other way. (laughs) Have a good week and we will talk to you soon. Later.